Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of Talking Preps. I got most of the crew here. We got uh, Coach Griner, Miss Chelsea. I got the guru, Chris Hughes, and Dale Ross, the cooker. I uh, hope you guys saw Dale's video. He was making some hot wings with nine different types of hot sauce. And I uh, got my man Grice in here. I know everybody wants to see Dave Dorn, so we're going to play the music. And we'll come back with Coach Dorn. What's it like to be back again with fans in the stands, uh, coaching like that? That must be pretty exciting. Yeah, it's uh, very nice to have crowd noise and fans and, you know, all the pageantry that uh, you expect to have in college football. And, and it was awesome seeing our student section doing what they do and our opener and being able to go through the Walk of Champions with our fans, the whole thing. It was nice. Duke's not on the schedule. I know we talked before about you wanted to play Duke. I mean, how important is that to you and how – Difficult is that not to have one? Well, I think we should get to play them at least every four years. You know, it's uh, for the players that, you know, sign with this particularly, you know, 70% of our, our team is from North Carolina to not get a chance to play everybody in state during their tenure here, I, I think is just not the right way to do things from a scheduling standpoint. And so, you know, however they set it up, I just think there should be a better variety of rotational teams in our setup. How important is it to you uh, to have great relationships with your high school coaches around the state and not just the state, but obviously around the Southeast and your whole recruiting bed? Well, it means a lot. You know, I started uh, this professional journey as a high school coach uh, back in my hometown in Kansas city. And I remember, you know, that first year of coaching when college coaches would come in and, the ones that would treat everybody uh, with respect and sit down and talk football with you and versus the guys that would come in and act like they're better than you. I mean, I remembered it yeah. and uh, it left an impression on me. So I try to get out when I can. Uh, our staff gets out every chance we can get out. And, you know, we reach out, you know, through social media, through Twitter, text. Uh, and, and Henry Trevathan from my staff, you know, does a great job of communicating with the high school coaches just on what's going on with our program from week to week. I'm glad you brought up the fact that you're a high school coach. That's obviously where I started too. Where, when was it that you kind of developed that bug for coaching football that, that, that really kind of put that seed or that passion for you that, that obviously helped you to excel professionally, uh, but just kind of gave you that first love for the game. I can't hear anything. Uh, summer before my senior year in college, uh, I coached a, a high school seven on seven team at my alma mater and just loved it. And um, at that point, decided that's the route I wanted to pursue and started, you know, trying to find GA jobs and couldn't get one. And so I just went home and found a high school job, paid, you know, like 400 bucks <laughs> and went to work. And uh, from there, I, you know, just got an opportunity to go back to Drake where I played to be a GA. Is later. the video playing for you guys? Started from there. 
Um, speaking of um, two, three sport guys, you know, I come from the era where, you know, you played all three big sports, football, basketball, baseball. A lot of guys ran track or wrestled. Well, what is your thoughts as a coach on players or athletes to come that, that just want to specialize on one sport, whether it be baseball? We see it a lot in baseball. Um, sometimes you see it with basketball. And, and sometimes now we're starting to see it even more with these travel football, some of the traveling seven-on-seven seven teams. But what was your thought, or maybe what would your advice be, I guess would be the better way to phrase this question, Coach, uh, to parents or to kids who, who are thinking about just specializing on one versus playing them all? Mm-hmm. I personally like multi-sport athletes a lot. I think they're competing in seasons uh, longer than guys that are in one sport. They're, they're just – they go from football to basketball, basketball to whatever that other sport is, and they just don't stop competing, you know. And, and not only that, they're training themselves in, you know, different movements, different uh, patterns of movement. You know, I think it helps from an injury standpoint. Sometimes I think when guys are only in one sport, they're they're more prone to injury. But uh, you know, obviously, we're going to recruit them all and try to get the best players we can get. But you know, if you were asking me what advice would you give to young people? I think they should compete as much as they can compete, being as many sports as they can be in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coach, you've had a lot of success recruiting kids out of Charlotte, you know, Jalen Scott and Porter Rooks and kids like that. Um, what advice would you give to parents as they're trying to navigate the recruiting waters uh, just about how to get their name out there, how to be seen? Maybe not even always at your level, but at any level. What's the best route you think to go if you're a parent of a young kid? Well, I don't think it's the parent's job, first of all. It's the young person's job to play well enough to be recruited and do well enough in school. You know, with the um, readiness of huddle and how easily we can get film now, if a guy's a good player, we're going to find him. Um, and the first question we're going to ask when we like his film is, what type of student is he? So, you know, if the kid doesn't have good film but he's been marketed well, we're not going to recruit him. Uh, if the kid has good film and he's a bad student, we're not going to recruit him. So, you know, I think – there's a little bit of a misnomer that they got to have all these different services helping them. I personally feel like there should be more focus on playing well, being a good teammate and being a good student and let the coaches do their job and go find them. Does the, the cold, does the cold emailing of the position coach, is that helpful or not just for have a kid just. Not like really. It? No, I mean, we have recruiting staffs now at this level and that's what they do. And I think, you know, if, if you're trying to send film to someone sending it for us, it's Mercy Falez. But to the player director, player personnel at the university, he's the one that's going to hand that off and, and first evaluate it before the assistant coach does anyway. But um, there's so much spam email we get on, on kids as position coaches anymore. I'm not sure how many of those get open. You know, I think your best route is going directly to the recruiting office. All right, cool. Hey, Coach, um, you know, I always ask this to all the guys that come here on Talk of Preps Overtime because, obviously, you know, my 
my background is as a coach and 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 I'm not going to be able to do what I'm doing forever as is any of us really uh but I, I've seen the impact you've made on the program there at NC State I think you've done a masterful job uh the I think the program I've been in the office I've hung out with Coach Trevathan many times uh, just the cult the culture that you guys have created is just top notch uh but but whenever it is that Coach Doran decides to you know, hang up the whistle and, and move on to the next stage. What what is it that, that that you try to 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 leave people with? And I'm sure you try to teach this to your players as well. You know what your legacy would be, how people think of you when you move on. I mean, what what with foot maybe aside from football? I guess is the way I'm trying to say this, Coach. What, what what's the most important thing that you want people to to think about when they think of Coach Dave Dorn? Well, it's a uh... First of all, I appreciate all the nice things you said there. Um, that, that's a difficult thing to answer, I think. You know, uh, with with these players, um, my goal has always been to help them become the best version of themselves. You know, I, I want them to turn around at the end of their time with me and thank me, you know, for, for pushing them, for holding them accountable for living up to my end of it. And I promised them I wouldn't let them underachieve and that I'd surround them with great people and motivate them and, and love them. And that's really what I hope I get out of this, you know, obviously winning and bowl games and all those things are great, but I didn't get into coaching um, for that. I got into coaching because I love helping young people and I still love that. You know, it's, it means a lot to me um, when someone comes up to me that played for me, regardless of when it happens and thanks me for pushing them or for being hard on them or for telling them the truth or helping them through a tough time. And, you know, I think that's the best part of this job is you get to serve others. So hopefully that's what people remember me by. Yeah. Coach, uh, you did a phenomenal job last year with all that new staff to turn things around in a COVID year. Would you say that was the hardest you've ever had to work? And, and how did that affect you moving forward? How are you going to work moving forward? Yeah, it was hard. It, it was just so many unknowns, you know. I mean, every day we were just changing things. And, you know, as you guys know, the the unknowns of COVID, like the rules, nobody knew what to do. And there wasn't much leadership. And even the leaders <laughs> were, were struggling with telling everyone what to do in the country. Yeah. So I think the thing that the early point in this thing, we embraced it as a staff and and we did a good job of getting our players to understand the value of, look, if we want to have an edge on every team we play, let's handle this scenario better than anyone else can handle it. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of people that fail, um, struggling with changes in schedules, changes in protocols, you know, changes in how we practice, changes in how we meet. And I said, if we just don't complain and do the best we can and look out for each other, you know, and do it every day, we're going to be in a lot better place than most of these teams out there. And I thought our guys bought into that and, you know, the social injustice part that came along with it. Our, our players did such a great job with our coaches and all of us just coming together through that tough period. You know, it, it was the hardest year, not in coaching, but just in everything else, like yeah. the, everything, but coaching, coaching was still coaching, you know, but everything else was just, you couldn't be trained for that. All right, there's your man, uh, Dave Doran. Um, we got uh, Sam sitting in for Gary as we hit the rundown. Are you ready for this, Sam? Oh, this is easy. This is easy, he says. Okay, <laughs> we'll see how easy it is.
All right, you guys see the topics. We're gonna go top. Uh, actually, no, we're not gonna talk about them. Grice, what is the best college sports rivalry? And we're going to combine hoops and basketball. So you're choosing between Kentucky Louisville basketball, UNC Duke basketball, Army Navy football, and I kind of know which way Sam's going to go here. Auburn Alabama football, Oklahoma Texas football. What's the best robbery in college sports? When I look at best robbery, I mean to me it's something that you know games that have important. You look at the last four years, the Iron Bowl's got to be the best rivalry. You talk about Auburn, Alabama. Usually that's been, for if not national championship implications, it's been a game that's propelled one or the other team into major college sports prominence. Actually, the last four years, as dominant as Alabama's been, the Iron Bowl is two and two. You know, so to me, that is another element of a key robbery there where you have both teams that have great chances to win. And, oh, how many pros do you know come from that robbery that are now in the NFL? So to me, it's not hard. Auburn, Alabama has been great. Chris? You know, to be the best rivalry in the entire nation, the rivalry itself has to captivate America. While Duke and Carolina uh, is probably the best college rivalry, I don't think that it captures the hearts and minds of every person in the country like Mm -hmm. the Army-Navy game. To me, it's all Army-Navy. Army-Navy. All right, uh, Samuel, what team should be featured on Hard, Hard Knocks next year? Um, honestly, I think they need to go back to the Raiders just because I want to hear John Gruden say, knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> like that, that dude, he's the greatest. Like, it was so boring watching the Cowboys. I mean, like, it was it was so boring. Right. But I was glued to the TV watching the Raiders. The Raiders. That I was mean, the heck of a football game last night, the Raiders. That was the most, and that's what I'm saying. That's what bringing to – I mean – I've never I've never witnessed a game that was that crazy. Then I even watched it. You watched it with Peyton and Eli, like doing the you know commentary. That was better than the TV version. ESPN's kind of hurting themselves putting that up. Oh my gosh, that they are classic. They're yeah, so uh, amazing. And then, and then they bring in uh, the, the kid from Seattle, Russell Wilson. I mean, that was that was great TV. That, in fact, I got to get. I was talking to Chris about doing something just like that last week, and I, I watched that and it kind of really convinced me. Alex, uh, what team next year on Hard Nuts? The Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers epitomize the NFL's tradition and legacy, and furthermore. It will be great to see in terms of the notion of surviving in the NFL. You're looking at a franchise that has had three head coaches since 1969. We're talking 50 plus years. The abilities of head coaches, all three who won Super Bowls, Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin, to adjust to changes in the game, changes in player personalities and to rebrand and adjust their messages well beyond decade long windows and survive and thrive in the NFL gets at the essence of what it truly takes to compete at the highest level and to sustain that over a period of time. You want to learn what it takes to take to sustain one's career and sustain success in the NFL and blend that with the respect for tradition and legacy. The Pittsburgh Steelers epitomize that. Absolutely. All right. Um, Chris, best high school football robbery in the past 20 years? You know, I really want to say Independence and Butler. You know, I think back to that run that we were all graced with from, say, 2003-04 through the mid-2010s, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but Independence just hadn't really held up their end of the deal and maintained the level of commitment. Uh, 
competitiveness. Hopefully with Coach DJ McFadden coming and he can get them back on track. Heck, I even remember, I think it might have been 09 when you had the sinkhole in Memorial Stadium and they played that game at Independence. That was even a tough ticket for media people to get into yeah. because yeah. it's so – just big time, but I've got to say the best is really Tuscola and Pisgah. You know, you want to. See I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you want to see what high school football was like in the '60s, or what it's like in Texas, or somewhere where entire communities just shut down, roll up the tents, and go to the game. Go to that one. You'll be amazed at just how important it is to the fabric of both of them communities. Well, here comes an answer from three three six. Grace, let's go. I, I, you know, I wanted to go there so bad, but I just, you know, and I think you know, we were talking about it in the back. It's got to be Shelby and Chris, doesn't it? I mean, you know, I, th- I feel like everything Chris said embodies that rivalry. And I mean, you talk about just some of the some of the co- collegiate athletes that come out of the, the pros to come out of that area. Like that has to be the major rivalry. I mean, to me, it's, 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 bad either. <laughs> it's all pretty good up there. Uh, overrated, Alex. Who's the most overrated team? Ohio State, Notre Dame, State, Texas, Coastal Carolina. All of them are overrated. Ohio State beat Michigan, then come talk to me. North Carolina, I mean Notre Dame, joined the ACC as a full-fledged member in all sports, including football, and then come talk to me. NC State, figure out a way to host a football game in Carter-Finley Stadium during the state fair, just like you have the Texas-Oklahoma Red River rivalry during the Texas State Fair at the uh, the Cotton Bowl. So figure out a way to host a game at Carter-Finley Stadium during the state, the North Carolina State Fair, and then come talk to me. Texas beat Oklahoma, and then come talk to me. Coastal Carolina beat Appalachian State. The Fighting Mountaineers almost got Miami again. Obviously, no one learned anything from Michigan back in the day. Beat them, and then come talk to me. They're all overrated. Sam, follow up. <laughs> All right, it's pretty simple. It's Texas. Um, Coastal Carolina is definitely not overrated. They're legit. Um, Notre Dame is a very sound team. Ohio State is not what they've been in the past. But when it comes down to it, Texas has just not lived up to their name. Um, You're supposed to say everything's bigger in Texas. You know, college football is better when Texas is a legit program. They haven't been relevant in probably, what, seven years now or so? Um, So it's definitely Texas. Okay. Super Bowl picks. Grace, who you got? Whew. I mean, watching Tampa Bay, it's hard not to say that they're gonna that they can't repeat. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay, you look at the Chiefs. I think we're gonna get that part two of that game. And I mean, you can bet against Tom Brady. I'm not going to. All right. Uh Alex, who you got? The Super Bowl. It really doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, I really have given no thought to it whatsoever. I mean, everything. Who would you pick? If I, if, if I had to pick a winner? Yes. Roger Goodell. <laughs> All right, Sam, who's your Super Bowl pick? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm with Grice on this 100%. I think that you're going to see a repeat of last year, and it's good for TV because you got the GOAT versus, like, the LeBron James aspect, like trying to take over Michael Jordan, which he's nowhere close. Just like LeBron James ain't close to Michael Jordan. Patrick Mahomes is not close to uh, Tom Brady, but he's got all the talent. He's got all the skills. He's got everything around him, the flashy lights. So um, all the bells and whistles to throw to. But I just – I think they're too high-powered. Both of them have stellar defensive players, not necessarily always defensive. 
stats, but they have guys that can make plays in big games. All right, uh, Chris, let's end up. Who you got? As much as I want to pick my Washington football team, I just don't think they're going to get there, especially if Fitzpatrick is injured. I've got to go with the GOAT, though. Tom Brady, most likely over Kansas City. Tom Brady, the GOAT over Kansas City. I think that's a pretty good pick. All right, Sam, it's uh, it's your time. Are you I'm frozen, but I hope y'all can hear me still. Are you, are you nervous, Sam? No, I'm not nervous. Come on. Is this Jack? Yes, sir. Must be, Jack. I'm nervous at Jack. Fresh yeah. out of fresh uh-huh. off the visit from uh, Virginia Tech. Jack, tell us how the visit went. The visit went great. It was really good. Enter Sandman is something else. You ready to commit? <laughs> I don't know. I got to keep my options open. I'm still young, still got time. Yeah. Is Shebus your guy contact? Shebus? I talked to Coach Shebus and Coach uh, Brett Arkillian. He's a special teams assistant there. Okay, cool deal. That's all. I mean, about, tell us about long snappers because you know nobody really talks about long snappers. You guys have a very important role, now. and how do you train to be really good at what you do? It's it's a lot. It's really similar to like golf or like practicing your golf swing over and over again, repetition, repetition, slowing it down, take filming it in slow motion, breaking down little bits and pieces. It's one big moving thing that like the slightest thing can completely throw off a snap. And tell us about how Arthur Kell's gotten a 3-0 this year. We've been playing together as a team great. We've been gelling really well. The team, like, we've just been playing as a team. Um, and it shows out there on the field. we got yeah. our quarterback, Jack Curtis, has been going, doing his thing. All of our receivers, our defense has been stepping up, making big plays, and we've just been winning games. You well, guys speak- been running? Go ahead, Sam. Well, speaking of uh, – Precise. You see that guy you got in the background. Look at always check the background. Nolan Ryan. That is the <laughs> goat right there. I mean, you you old enough to know Nolan Ryan for real? Yes, sir. Okay. I like it, man. I like it a lot. Good deal. And then you're right. That enter the sandman is one of the greatest entrances, uh entrance into college football. That Clemson is pretty special. RDK's making a run through the Union County College. You guys got Porter Ridge this week. Tell us about uh, playing Porter Ridge. What's that going to be like? Um, I'm super excited. I know, I know our team is really excited to finish off the Union County stint, as it seems like, as we're going through all the teams out there. And we're not overlooking. They're a great team. They got they're good, just classic football team. They play great football. Yeah. And we're excited to play them. They didn't give you guys a trophy or something if you win this game. <laughs> Union County Championship. All right, so you know the rules here. Um, you got to knock down Sam. He's on a little win streak. I got to hear him brag all week long. So we're going to play his music, then you're going to take him down. Brother, I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. I should get like an extra credit point because that's a good looking fella in that video. <laughs> See, I told you. All right. You know how you know how this goes. Dale, you're up first. Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> Saturday, UNC beat uh, Georgia State 59-17. Uh, Sam Hell Howell, excuse me. Uh, he became the second Tar Heel uh, quarterback to throw for more than 300 yards and rushed more than 100 in the same game. Who was the first? A, Darian Durant. B, Mitch 
Trubisky, C, Marquise Williams, D, Ronald Curry. Uh, okay, Jack, it's on you because you're the visiting team. So who are you going with? I'm going with B, Mitch Trubisky. B, Mitch Trubisky. Samuel, he sounded real confident. What you going with? You sounded very confident. I just I, I disagree with it, though. I'm going to take a risk here. I think it's between A or D. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with D. D, Ronald Curry. The answer is C, Marquise Williams. He did it in 2014 mm. against Notre Dame. Mm. He's watching so he can get on you. Yeah, all I remember is the game he got beat ten to seven. That's all I remember. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that he had a hurt ankle in that game. Oh right? my gosh. Are we still going about this? We gotta yeah, go clamp them. We clamp them up, baby. Clamp them up. He was he was injured. Okay, so we're we're tied still at zero zero. Chelsea, let's go. The number one country song in the country is called Fancy Like, and it's been on top of the chart for eight weeks. Who sings it? A, Walker Hayes, B, Luke Bryan, C, Jason Aldean and Carrie Underwood, or D, Kofi Anderson. Samuel, what's your answer? Uh, C. C, all right. Jack, what you got? I'm going with A. Jack, my man. There we go. My man, my man talking about like he going to see Virginia. He know he watches country music all, <laughs> you know, country music all day long. I was trying to be confident so he'd go with me, but. I had no chance there. God, I, don't know. I, I like that. The Sam, Sam's in the hole. Now, now Sam has to play a little defense because he's in the hole. <laughs> are, are you ner- are you nervous, Sam? Yeah, that's not good when you go down one zero right there. I ain't gonna lie. That's, that's not good. good. Okay, so we got uh, Chelsea. Is wait, I just I ripped the wrong question, but we'll. we'll uh, I think it's Dale. We'll read that one. Okay. I'm out of order, Dale. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> It's one of the most popular shows on Netflix <clears throat> and based on the real life location in the Carolinas. Well, I love all these locations. Name the show. Uh, A, Outer Banks. B, Beach Town, Myrtle Beach. C, The Triangle. D, The Wilmington Shore. Jack, so on you, sir. I'm going with A, Outer Banks. A, Outer Banks. Samuel, what you got? Yeah, I'm going with A, too. All right, you both are correct. You just went A because he went A. You played. No, I, I was you gonna go. I, that's the thing. Like those, are, we should have switched it up. Like the question I had no chance at. I felt like it was question two. The first why, one and the third one, I could have, I could have easily went first. Why did? Why do you want to like reorder the questions? You always ask the because you asked hey, me. He's just the tired of me winning. He's tired of me winning. I am tired of you winning, Chelsea. Let's go. Audrey Cal High School opened in 2006. Oh my God, really? Hold on. Like, we're going to Audrey Cal question right yes. now. Okay, all right. Yes. I'm with you. In what year did the Knights have their first winning record in football? A, 2006. B, 2007. C, 2010. D, 2012. No pressure, Sam. If you lose this question, you lose the game. No pressure. No, that's not necessarily true. Um, C is the answer. C is the answer. Jack. I'm going to go with C as well. You both are incorrect. No. It was B? It was A. A? They had a winner oh, record. It was B. It was B. They were 10 and 3 on the okay, Marquee. Right. Audrey Kell opened strong out of the gate. All right. So we're, we're down to our last question. And Sam is down. So Sam must get a W. 
and I gotta find this question. Oh, it's not a question he knows right away. <laughs> uh Dale, who's reading this one this is uh this is dale reading this one okay here we go samuel no it's on him <laughs> who is a who is the carolina panthers starting kicker ryan santoso a b joey sly c graham gano d zane gonzalez all right jack a Ryan Santoso. Sam. <laughs> well, I can't go with him because I automatically lose. And and he's probably right. But uh I'll go B. B Joey Sly. Joey Sly was a kicker who got cut in preseason. Yeah, I, I knew it Ryan was. Ryan Santoso yeah. just got cut today. Oh the really? kicker, the kicker is Zane Gonzalez. So Jack, oh, really? you win the game, Jack. Yes. Talk to Good it. job. Talk Took you down. It's freaking unbelievable, man. Country <laughs> question. What the heck? Audrey Kell question, country question. I love I mean, it. He didn't get the Audrey Kell catch. I just want to know. I'm struggling. Today, I didn't have no clue about anything. Um, I finally stopped. I knew the Outer Banks one. That was about it. But, uh, yeah, man, you did a phenomenal job. Good job. I know that he reached out to you on the low and said, hey, what are you confident in? You were like, you know, country music, no, big no, tires. This, this, this was pure winning. Okay. Are, you, are, you, are you hearing this, Grace? Tell him, Grace. Hey, hey, Grace hey, hold on, hold on. What did I say? Don't you dare do that. First L, you'll take you do that. Yeah. All right, Jack, man, appreciate hey, you. Jack. Good luck against Porter Ridge, all right? Thank you. Good job, right, Jack. Thank you for having me. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. He was fun. That was uh, Jack Maurer. He's one of the best long snappers in the state, actually. Um, he's yeah, he's legit. That's so, a huge That's a huge deal. I'm trying to tell you. Like, yes, it is. I understand that is a huge deal. Like, we, you know, you call punt team like a damage control type situation. And, I mean, that could really devastate you and lose a game for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Mm. All right, let's time to see who Miss Chelsea's got going on. Me and Sam will go in the back and let y'all have fun. All right, so this week I interviewed Audrey Kell, defensive back, Jason Angelo, and his coach, Mark Harmon, was one of the people who reached out to me recommending him. And I just figured, you know, after Audrey Kell's 3-0 streak so far, you know, starting off with such a strong season, it would be an appropriate time to set up an interview and share it. So, yeah. All right. Hi, I'm Chelsea Stipple from Talking Prep Charlotte, and here I'm interviewing Jason Angulo, who is a senior captain for Audrey Kell High School. He is also a defensive back. So, Jason, Audrey Kell is currently three and all, three and zero oh in your football season. Um, just discuss what it's like to start off with that winning foot and being undefeated. Uh, it basically shows that we're taking the right steps, not in game, but only in practices. It shows that we can get the job done. And it shows that uh, that we've been down in games. And it shows that we can come out of top even when we adjust. Awesome. And this is your senior year and you're a captain. Just describe the leadership role that you've taken on this year. Not only me, but sort of all the captains we usually help out all our teammates by keeping our heads up usually during our lowest points in the game and usually Wednesday I get my position group and 
watch film on, on their offense, the opposing offenses, and see how they do. Nice. And this is your senior year, so kind of just reflect on some of your past accomplishments and some of the goals you're shooting for now. Uh, my accomplishments, I was named second team All-State, All-Conference. I was named defensive back of the year on my team. We won conference three years in a row. And I'm, win I'm shooting to win a state championship, win conference four years in a row, be named first team All-State and All-Conference again. That's awesome. And so kind of describe your game um, and yourself as an athlete on the field. I'm a person that's observational and patient. I wait for my opponents to see what, I wait for my opponents to do something first and to see how I can respond in the best manner. And as a viewing as an athlete, I'm a person who tries. I'm a person who basically wants to get better, whether it's lifting or film. Awesome. And what in the Audrey Kell program, you know, what about your football culture that you guys, that you think makes you guys so successful? Our culture is we, we give every, we give a hundred percent, no matter what. And our mindset is we think we're the best and we know we're the best and no one outworks, out, uh, outworks harder than us. Awesome. And what is your motivation in football? You know, what keeps you going? Uh, my family, my teammates, God, most of all. That's awesome. And then finally, you have this upcoming game against Porter Ridge. Um, what's the expectation and how are you guys hoping to keep pushing these wins? We accept, we accept to win. We defensively on our side, we, do, we expect to shut them out and to not have any mental errors on both sides. And we usually do that by running situational tempo things to help clean up every mistake that we make. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing how that game turns out. And again, thank you so much for hopping on. This is Jason Angulo senior captain from Andre Kell High School. Thank you so much for hopping on. Oh, great job, Chelsea. Hey, uh, Grimes, I don't know if you took notice there, but that Jason, he he might need to be on Grice's gyms one day. He made some pretty good open field tackles. Oh, he did. Yeah. I, just, I just love those type of kids because those kids are the type that look like they could be on the debate team and knock your head off in the same kind of place. <laughs> love the versatility there for sure. Chelsea, you you continue to do a great job. And like I, I enjoy, you know, Chelsea's world just because it's that opportunity to for you to shine and show what you can do. And I don't know. I mean, Chris, we got I think we got it's time to get her in on some one's gotta go. We're gonna have to petition Langston to get her in there and keep her in that rotation because I always love hearing her talk. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and I like the fact that Coach Harmon's reaching out to you. Coaches from around the state's yeah. getting a holler on your Twitter. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, they're, they're starting to see the value in you promoting their athletes. So uh, keep, it, keep it going on. Thank you, guys. And Chelsea, you know, let them know how they can contact you. Because, I, like I said, I keep wanting to do that every week because, you're, I mean, the bar keeps getting raised. I mean, at this point, I mean, yeah. dang, we're going to have to get, like, some college players the way you keep, you know, hitting these hard-ending interviews. So how can they contact you? Uh, my Twitter DMs are open. My Twitter at is Chelsea Sipple. Um, if you're interested, if you're a coach who wants your athlete featured, just shoot me a DM and I'd be happy to set up an interview. Once again, Chelsea, thank you so much for, for you know, bringing us into your world and another great interview. Okay, Guru, at this time, you know, we got to get to Mr. Football. I think you, uh, you know, put a new number one on that list. So Langston, drop the music so we can get to it. See y'all.
Yeah, you're right, Bryce. We do have a new number one, but you know, we had some text messages back and forth today. Uh, we've had three number ones here in three weeks. You know, open dates have a lot to do with that, just the opportunity for some of these guys to really ball out. Uh, but Marion Hampton, running back, committed to Carolina, Cleveland High School. He has just been a monster in the games I've seen him. Uh, he has made some really good defensive players look kind of tentative trying to to tackle him because he is a load. He's just not a finesse running back. He is a full truckload of speed and power coming at you. Oh, for sure, 100%. And like you said, I mean, as we're approaching the end of non-conference, you know, teams getting their buys in. Again, you have some some uneven games here where, you, you know, you get some snooze fest where guys are, you know, maybe playing two to three quarters. But a couple names you're starting to see creeping in that top five. I mean, you know, Chambers had a bit of a scare, which, you know, from the football end was a little tough for them. But for their starters, normally in situations where they would dominate, it really got guys like Dalen Smothers, you know, who's you know already won this last year. We got to see his brilliance this week. Casey Conception continues to show his greatness. And Tate Carney as well uh, had, I think, about 200 yards and maybe two or three touchdowns. So there are some guys putting up some monster performances to close the non-conference period out. And I think we got guys that are there. Another guy to watch that's kind of on that outside, kind of looking or sneaking up is that Jacob Newman at South Mech. Of course, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But he's got some big-time games where he's going to need a big performance for his team to be successful. So we're definitely looking to see, you know, how they can do. So I got to see J uh, Jacob Friday night. What a ball game. That play, that, that kid is – I think the move to South Mecklenburg was real good for him, but he really showed out Friday night. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, looking even, you know, Malachi Hamrick, you know, I talked with Coach Little John, the OC down at South Point, and I mean, you know, they started to have some real problems in that second half, you know, blocking those Shelby defenders. And it's some guys on this list, and we talk about this all the time. I mean, there could be so many more guys, but right now with these 16, you're starting to see some big-time performances from them. And, I mean, I'm excited to see how this is going to continue to go as we go throughout the season. But those top three, I mean, you know, even Tad right there at four, Casey at five, that's a strong top five, and I'm excited to see how we get to uh, to the finish line here, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's some guys on here that, that really keep creeping up. Uh, you know, I look at the offensive numbers that Davie County keeps putting up. Uh, so, you know, that Tate Carney is just going to continue to get the rock in each game and just put up these video game like numbers. Uh, Byron Brown and both Noah Rogers, they, they finally got uh, are more healthy now at Rollsville. Uh, so they they have really looked good the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, yeah, man, a lot of great football being played from coast to the mountains. Uh, I can't wait to see how it kind of shakes out towards the conference races and towards the end of the year. Definitely. So, hey, we'll, we'll keep on looking, but we want to give you guys another update on our Mr. Football watch list. Again, at the end, the top three will be invited live on our show where we'll unveil the winner. But, hey, I think it's time for one of our favorite segments, Express Faces. Langston, drop that video. man grice here we are for another edition here at fresh faces here on talking preps uh man we had a, a lot of great action friday night uh with some guys really getting it done uh let's take a look at these fresh faces all right here i mean again you know got a guy here olympic highs db solo barnes 
Yeah, Coach Darren Hart, you know, the defensive coordinator at Olympic, loves fast, tall, long, aggressive DBs. This is a kid that fixed that mark here. 6'3", 180, as you can see there. You know, he's a guy that, you know, comes up, plays fast. And, you know, with the corner in that situation, you've got to be able to, to be able to guard on the island uh, in Coach Hart's defense. You see, he can, you know, play, play deep, and he can come up and deliver the boom, as you see here, Chris. Yeah, uh, just looking at these clips right here. Uh, six foot three, you know, that's a tough – uh, defender to have to account for as an offensive play caller sitting back there uh, kind of patrolling that space. And as you said, being able to come up there and deliver the boom. Uh, let's look at him right here. Got the, the close angle film. Uh, looking at the read. Um, yeah, I would say, hey, able to make some uh, open field tackles. That's a big time player. Oh, it is. And I mean, again, like we talk about the range, I mean, he's playing off, you know, a good deal there, but still being able to come up and deliver the boom. Definitely look forward to see what he's going to do this year with Coach Hart and uh, Coach Thompson Olympic. All right, Grace, let's shift gears and go here and talk about a young man that I'm sure that you know a lot about, uh, running back and defensive back, Tamar Bivens. He had 121 yards against upstate South Carolina power, Gaffney. Uh, there's no shame in that. Gaffney's always a big-time team, also playing there in the reservation. Tell me about this game Friday. Oh, man, it's a tough game against a great opponent. Uh, he's a great kid and really, you know, broke out in this game against Gaffney. Man, it's a hard runner. I mean, you're talking about a 5'11", 200-pound back. So a guy, when we want him to get the ball, he's going straight ahead. And he had a, you know, a mammoth of a run here, as you can see, where you had Gaffney defenders all around, and he still was able to break through. Um, and score a big touchdown to kind of get us, you know, in a position to try to get back in that game versus Gaffney. But, you know, as a kid that you you want to you want to see a hard worker, you know, a guy that just kind of embodies what you know we're trying to do as a program and you know love to coach them man i love those big time runs again especially against a, a big time team like gaffney i have a feeling gaffney would fit in quite well with a lot of the big 4a schools up here in north carolina uh, always a, a premier team uh, i love the fact that we're going all the way down to the wilmington area to eastern north carolina to talk about this next guy it just shows the statewide aspect of us here talking preps uh, coast to coast mountains to the coast um RG, R.J. Green, uh, quarterback, senior quarterback from North Brunswick High School, uh, has got eight touchdown passes in the last two weeks. Grice, uh, we're both QB guys. Uh, I was an offensive guy as well, but uh, I'm going to let you talk about that. I mean, anytime a guy has thrown eight touchdown passes in a two-week span, I don't care who you're playing. Heck, some of these guys on the air would struggle to do that. You know, you, you see some of the explosiveness. You see the arm strength. Again, him being on one hash, making that throw to the opposite hash, don't care who's there, he's able to get that ball out, you know, get it towards the receiver and, and score a touchdown. But, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, down east we've seen, you know, we've seen uh, the, that midway game where, you know, you had, you know, the, the explosion of two quarterbacks with, with a lot of talent. There's a lot of good QBs uh, down the eastern part of the state. And, I mean, it looks like R.J. Green, if he continues on that pace, is going to you know do a lot to establish himself as one of those premier guys on in the eastern part of the state. And I love those bright helmets. Very similar to Shelby. Kind of like those bright, bright Notre Dame helmets. Of oh, the yeah. Scorpions. Man, who got to love that nickname, the Scorpions. Uh, also, we're going to look at Malachi Greer from Cox Mill High School. Wide receiver. Six foot two frame. 165 pound receiver and DB. Uh, let's look at his uh, highlight in intro right there. There's the big guy. Man, that's a good looking young man. Oh, it definitely is. And then, you know, I talked with Coach Baker, and he just, you know, loves this kid, the, the ability for him to be versatile. Talks about the receiver, but he's able to come up and, and lay a big hit here. Cox Mill started off extremely well, and, I mean, he definitely seems to be a part of, you know, why they've done so. We just, I just love the versatility and, you know, some of these schools that, even though they're 4A, they're starting to put guys on both sides of the ball. As you can see here with the big-time pick, 
these receivers with good hands, defensive coaches are starting to see, hey, let me get that guy with good hands on the defensive side of the ball as well as he makes some great plays here. No, um, he's having a great uh, season right there. You know, Cox Mills Friday night didn't go as well. Uh, Huff snapped that six-game six game winning streak, uh, but he's a good-looking player. Glad that we could get him here today on Fresh Faces. That's it for this week. Uh, man, uh, n- another good crop of young guys. Love it. Love to see it. I mean, again, you know, hopefully we can get, you know, some, some more crop, you know, a good young talent, you know, across the state as we continue to do. So I'm ready for it next week. All right. Well, there you go. Um, Sam, I'm going to bring you back real quick. Uh, Gary said the reason why you lost was this. It's very true. It's very true. Gary inspires me. It's, it's just too bad that he went to uh, Kate's skating ring. Yeah. <laughs> Was backward skating and, and slipped a little bit, but you know, other than yeah, that, Gary, Gary's on the IR this week. But all right, all right, Sam, we'll, we'll have you back in a second. Time for a new segment we're calling the Great Debate. Um, I want to get you guys' thoughts, uh, Chris, Dale, and Alex. Big time school decisions this week CMS requiring teacher testing or vaccination proof. Orange County last night, the school board was considering making mandatory vaccinations, but they didn't. Without requiring fans and players to wear masks, the players have to wear masks when they're playing. Not, I mean, they don't have to wear them when they're playing. And you only have two fans per athlete. And then Union County is in the quarantine for non positive students as well as contact tracing. Chris, your thoughts on all this? We'll just kind of go down the road. Well, um, I want to try to be as insightful as Gary, but I'm afraid that I'm probably not going to live up to the the rep that he has uh, bestowed upon himself. Um, CMS requiring teachers to show proof of vaccination or testing. I don't necessarily have a problem with it because I've been vaccinated and I am pro-vaccinations, although I know that some of us here aren't and some of us think that they can get by without it. I don't necessarily have a problem. I know as a parent with some kids in school, I'd like to know that, that the teachers are being safe and doing things, or at the very least, just wearing a mask or whatever they've got to do to protect themselves. I know it's a slippery slope, but I, I think that, I, I guess with the Delta variant, that is what it is. I, I guess it's acceptable. I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but, but I get the logic behind it. Unmute your mic, Alex. Anything and everything comes down to one simple reality. I am unconcerned by what anyone else is doing if I don't do what I do well and to the best of my abilities. Whether we're talking Orange County Schools, whether we're talking Union County Schools, whether we're talking Mecklenburg County Schools, whether we're talking any of the 110 or so LEAs or local education agencies in the state of North Carolina, it all comes down to each LEA doing what they do well. How will it affect high school sports? It is what it is. I don't think we're in a position where we can go from, well, this school system did this, this school system did that. What are they doing over there? What are they doing over here? There, everywhere, on and on and on. I'm going to figure out things that serve my students, my educators, my entire community as best as I can to promote optimized health, safety, and wellness most conducive to new learning horizons and greater student achievement. And I'm going to do those things to the very best of my abilities, doing well, 
what I do well and what best serves my community. And everything else in other school systems, it is what it is. Okay, so this is about indicators um, as to what these uh, systems have done and maybe what we can expect to see. Uh, I think one of the things that didn't occur out of the uh, Orange County, when I first heard about the situation, they were talking about uh, just completely not uh, playing for the next three weeks. Uh, I think we need to, or I think we will see, I don't believe there's any debate here. I hate to call this stuff a debate because we got to do things to mitigate and uh, the requiring proof of vaccination. That's part of mitigation is uh, getting vaccinated and uh, thus not allowing uh, anyone in that's not vaccinated to, there's a potential to uh, to cause spread. And I think other systems are going to see that and probably uh, you, we can look to see them uh, implement. I do think we're going to probably see um, more across the board uh, masking, uh, uh, required masking. Uh, these are indicators as to what's going to come, you know, what we can expect to see to come about because in the end we got to, we've got, uh, we've got to do as much mitigation as we can. So just because these systems have done it, don't think it's going to end here. I think this is an indicator of what's, what's to come. All right, guys, conference play starts this week. Uh, you know, teams can't, I mean, I guess you can, but it's not going to be as easy just to call around and find games. Do you guys think we're going to get through conference play? Do you guys think we're going to get through the playoffs without some, you know, I'm, I'm worried that some teams are going to go unbeaten to November and then miss you know, the first round playoff game, the second round playoff game, and then their season be over. What do you guys think? It is what I think it is. you're going to see. Well, I'll, I'll start out. I think you're going to see some teams that just don't play all the games. You're already seeing that. Uh, there's a handful of teams that's already played one game and, and every week uh, just continuously drop opponents. Um, and so I think you're going to see that. I think it's going to be similar uh, to what we saw back in the um, spring season. Um and, and, and I think some schools are going to be happy with that. I, I, I have spoken with coaches who have said their administrators are fine with them not going to the playoffs, that they're just going to provide what opportunities they can for their athletes to compete. But if they go to the playoffs to do it, if they don't, they don't. And, and I think some systems are okay with that. Yeah. Alex? It is what it is. None of us like this situation. None of us like the uncertainty of it all. All of us feel for – everyone who's in these quandaries it i mean it, it's terrible all the way around right. but it is what it is so i remember right, what i said in my last answer we do what we do well and and we leave it at that and and whatever happens happens it's beyond our control all right dale I'll give you the final word okay so friday night i was going to pine lake to watch football and i get uh, the uh, coach uh, Roger co uh contacts me and says we're having a quarantine. Uh, I think we're going to see more of this. One of the things, uh, Langston, is to uh, in uh, non-conference play, teams have opportunity to uh, pick up other games. As they get into conference play, that's going to make it a lot tougher, and I think we're going to see more of this fall out. And I do want to throw out and just see what people think. One of my thoughts are that in conference, we get into conference play, if a team, if an, a team has a – a game and an opponent that can't play. I'd like to see that maybe um, 
teams have an opportunity to play two conference games if there's another uh, opponent in the conference that has an open date to go ahead and allow them to play and allow that to count towards, uh, you know, final. Uh, let's, let's, bring in a, let's bring in a head football coach. Sam, how would you feel if you had to make up a game and you got to play the same team twice? Uh, it's better than not playing at all. <laughs> so that I would definitely. But, how do you think, but, but what happens if it's the, the, the powerhouse team in that conference, you know, Shelby having to play the, the, the last place team in the conference? Would that be cool? To Shelby, it would be cool. Um, <laughs> to the other team, it might not be cool. I'm just saying because that's going to come up. You know, I, I need a game. Yeah. The only game I can find is against I mean, you know, the power. I'm going to be honest with you. I said I'll never get vaccinated. But I, if, if they told me my whole team, if my whole team's vaccinated, including coaches, we won't have to quarantine, we'll be able to make it through the whole season, I would do it. I would do it for that reason. That would be the only way. Well, we got you on record. We got you yeah. on record. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you want to harm your opportunity to make it to the playoffs? That's the only reason why I would do it. I, I mean, I know. Here's the thing. I'm gonna be straight up with you, Dale. Like I said, the virus cannot affect me. I don't feel like it. It's just not gonna affect. Me. <laughs> so that's misinformation. <laughs> I, I wish I could put Chris in the one shot. You would say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. It's just, well, I mean, I'm not I, trying to. Say I, I hope you take very good care of yourself. I, I do. I mean, I, I, hope I, it do, does. I do think vaccinations make a difference. There was a guy that was super anti-vaccination. He thought it was conspiracy theory. He was on Twitter and Facebook begging, asking for prayers. And unfortunately, he passed away uh, early today. So mm. hope, uh, They're dying, Langston. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're dying. Yeah. A young man, and I'm young talking man about those anti-vaxxers. Yeah, dying. young man in Orange County's in, in ICU. So you're trying to say no vaccinated people have died? No, no, no I'm, I'm telling you people like, like, a, like a pastor state. like a pastor in Denver, Colorado who mocked COVID-19 patients he just died today. He was an anti-vaxxer. Sam, I think a vaccine is like an umbrella. I think it prevents you from getting, you're going to get a little wet, but it prevents you from getting drenched. I mean, I, I yeah, kind of exactly. look at it like that. All right, guys, we could be on vaccines all day long. It's time for we Grice's could. gym. Let's see who Grice and Chris brought up this week is the best performers in North Carolina from the week past. All right, man, you ball, you're going to get the call from us, Grice's Gym. This is the best segment of the show, Grice. Hey, I love it. You know, I love that we get to highlight the guys that are making, having big performances, making big statements as we start to prepare into the meat of a lot of teams scheduled here. You know, we'll get into a, a Grice's Gym alum, but also he's bringing his buddy here. So we got Dylan Bisson and Reggie Taylor. Had to do the quarterback-receiver duo this week. Bisson, let me tell you, he's had big, big weeks before. This is his biggest yet. 16 of 19. 541 yards, four touchdowns, and a big 68-12 to 12 win over Union Academy. Mount Island, hey, they, they've been doing well in that 1A space. It's hard to believe, Chris, they're 3-0 for the first time. Um, let's get into some of these records to really show you guys why I had to make him a gem. You know, set a new Gaston County scoring mark as far as, you know, as far as his yards and touchdowns, breaking the one set by Ashbrook's Trey Bryce that was nine years old. We had to bring Taylor in. Taylor Ball, <clears throat> excuse me. Taylor had six catches for 334 yards and two touchdowns against Union Academy. New Gaston County record and ties for the fifth most in NC public school history, Chris. That's some big-time stars and big-time balling by those two guys. Man, no kidding. I also love the fact that you remember the alumni. You point that out. That is big-time. I like that, Grice. Uh, but these were some great, great-looking uh, guys. Incredible top performances here on Friday night. 
wow, 334 yards. That's like Madden football numbers. This <laughs> next guy up at North Henderson, actually, we're not going to look at him. We don't have film, but Hazan Collington, 16 carries, 262 yards, four touchdowns against Oakland High School. Uh, that was a shootout up there. Uh, I don't. Again, you, you made that comment before playing against air. I don't care if you're playing against anybody. Two hundred sixty-two yeah. yards. That's a lot of work, Bryce. Oh, that's impressive. There again, you know, and, and I you see what the score. I mean, he they needed every single one of those touchdowns. We love you know teams and players that ball and you know help their teams to big wins. But to me, those those games when those players where they ball exactly when their teams need it and are doing everything it takes to get to help their team get the victory. Those are the special Grice's gym. So Azan Collington, you know, your Grice's gym this week for your great performance. Well, these are the guys I like to talk about, the small school heroes. Bessemer City, another one of those 1A schools over there in Gaston County. Justice Cooper, he had an incredible um, outing Friday night. Let's look at the, the highlights right here. There you got Bessemer City in the green, uh, running back. And he, you like to use that term, phone booth football. Look at this little wing T action right here out of the backfield. Uh, he, he, oh, he, it's, it's great. And I tell you, hey, it, it, it makes it even better when the other team knows you're running the ball, the other team knows that you're you know, you're a high probability that you're doing that and you're still able to have success, that's big-time ball here. And you see him carrying defenders, grounding great yards here. You know, QB Jameer Holmes there, you know, big big boy. He's He loves to have a guy like this with Justice Cooper that he's able to give the ball to and know that somebody's going to make a big play with it. So 239 yards, five touchdowns. That's a big win for Bessemer City out there. And, you know, he's got to be a crisis gym for that great performance. Absolutely. Gap down linebacker. That, that is such an easy offense to teach. It looks complicated, but man, that is such big time. Uh, here's another program that has been just putting out killer numbers all year. Davy County scored 51 points against Morrisville. Alex Summers had a school record 434 <laughs> yards career passing. Um, let's, let's take a look at it right here. This is some big time numbers. And we all know Morrisville is no slouch of a team. So to put up those numbers and, and set a school record in doing so, that's big time ball here. So they, David County had 598 yards of total offense. And clearly he was a big reason why. Look at him you know, being elusive out, getting out of the pocket, able to throw the ball, get a, you know, get big gains here. I mean, it's, you know, we, we talk about these stats and I always tell people, hey, if you're bringing stats, you're bringing numbers, you got to bring it to be a Grice's gym. People are doing some incredible things out here. And Alex Summers, you know, is really showing and embodies that this week with Grice's gym. Great throw there, as you can see, against Mooresville. Great pass. You know, got to also mention our, our, you know, our Mr. Football guys, Tate Carney ran for 199 and two touchdowns and had a receiving touchdown as well. Zymir Hudson was the key guy that, uh, that Alex was throwing to. Eight catches, 197 yards and three touchdowns. So, Alex Summers, you got you know you got to be a Grice's gym. I had to you know shout out the support that helped you do that, but that was a great performance against a team that's well respected in this area. Wow, Coach Tim Deverick's and that entire David County offense is going to cause some defensive coordinators to have to take some goodies, headache powders, how to come <laughs> up with a way to stop that this year. Uh, let's look here at Mr. Football himself, Hollywood Dalen Smothers, Chambers High School. Uh, what a, what an effort he put forth Friday night. Let's take a look at it. Woo! Hey, you know it's tight when they had to get some power eye, but you know it's this is a Grice Gym alumni, Mr. Football, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things and so many adjectives and superlatives we use with this guy, but it, let's not make no mistake about it. They needed this kid when in a game that hey, Coach Jupiter Wilson gave those Julius Chambers Cougars everything they could handle, and this kid had to show exactly why we've said those things about him in a big game. 200 yards rushing, as you can see, the 38, you know, 38 yards receiving for him. He was the offense, and I think it's in a situation 
where they knew, we knew, and anybody who was around the stadium knew that, that Hollywood was getting the ball for Chambers and that he was going to do everything he needed to be successful. Look at him throwing a block there to help uh, KC Conception get some big yards there on the jet sweep. So it, it's not a secret. It's not a surprise. It's not a guy new to this. But we got We still have to highlight him to show, and I wanted to highlight him because he balled in a key game against a great opponent. And Grace, you're not old school enough to know that was actually the wishbone. Uh, actually, I'm old enough that I've coached in a wishbone. I'm sorry, that's all this power out. That's my fault. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, you know, I'm used to five wide receivers. Hey, that is my oh, fault. Man. That's bad. Give me, give me wishbone, five yards, cloud of dust every day, and I'm a happy man. All right, let's look at this yeah. stuff. big guy here at the bottom, Will Taylor. Greenville Rose quarterback, they finally snapped their three-game losing streak with a big game against Southwest Onslow. Went seven for 10, 252 yards, four touchdowns. Um, let's just take a look at this arm right here. That's why he went seven for 10. Yeah, his, his, yeah. <laughs> his passing average has to be like 87 yards a pass. Oh, my goodness. Every pass is, is backed up inside on their side of the uh, the 50. But, you know, we love the high efficiency, love the big throws there. And, again, we, we don't see guys just running by themselves. Those are great throws that are well-placed to avoid the defender and ensure only his receiver can catch it. I, every single one of these highlights shows exactly why he was able to be successful in this game. Again, an, another guy with high efficiency, big numbers, and leading his team to a big victory. So, you know, Grice's gems, like I tell you guys, every single week, you, if you ball, you give us a call. Send us your highlights. We want to feature you as much as we can and in every way possible. So I'm at Coach Jay Grice, Langston Wirtz Jr. on Twitter, at Guru Chris Hughes. Send them to any of us on Friday night. Again, if you think your performance is well worth it, please let us know. We want to feature you. But this week's crop, this crop of Bryce's gems might be one of the best this season already. All right. I love I love that slogan, too. You ball, give us a call. Uh, probably going to have some big-time games this week, some balling. So, uh, always fun. Oh, I'm ready for it. Now, Chris, I think we're going to, to me, one of the most impressive segments in the show. I mean, you literally rank every team in the state of North Carolina. Lanks, I think we got to get this going here soon. All right, man, well, the Grice is right. Well, we got a lot of big-time games to talk about this week. Uh, but first, let's take a look at the North Carolina 1A uh, state rankings that come out. Eastern Randolph there holding strong, number one. Had a big win over 3A Burlington-Williams uh, over there in Memorial Stadium. Uh, they've got a big game this Friday night against Walkertown. Uh, Tarboro there, number two. Mount Airy is a team in 1A. You really need to think about They have just been blowing everybody they've played out. and They've played some good teams, Thomasville as well. Uh, that's a team going up with the bullet. Uh, Robbinsville is kind of holding strong. Andrews had a blowout win over Mitchell. Mitchell's already had some impressive games this year. Mountain Heritage is one of those teams that's really been sidelined with the COVID bug. So hopefully the coach Joey Robinson's Cougars can get back on track. Uh, Northside, you know, they lost that tough, tough, tough game against Murphy in the state championship game. They continue to look good. They've got a senior heavy team. Uh, they're going to make another run in the East. Uh, and then you look at Murphy right there. They have lost a few games in a row now, played some tough uh, Georgia opposition. Um, I, I'm not worried about Murphy come playoff time. They're going to be fine. Uh, but that's your look at the 1A teams. And we're going to move on up to the 2A. As soon as we get a graphic, gentlemen. 
And Chris, it's always interesting with the 1A, of course, you know, having to fill in for you that one time. Be wary of the rematch. A lot of those teams play are going to play each other again come November. And the teams that are kind of maybe in ninth or 10th, you don't learn your lesson. You might be going home a little earlier than you anticipated. It happens more often than you think, especially with teams like Robbinsville and Murphy and Swain County. They typically play twice a year because of just being dominant in the half of the playoffs. Uh, I anticipate it most likely happening again. Uh, here's that two-way file. Uh, Reedsville again, number one. They're actually 3-0 and now. They played Saturday morning uh, and defeated uh, county rival, Rockingham County, 4-4, 44-8. Uh, Northeastern holding there. Uh, Salisbury, uh, they are looking as strong as ever. Uh, they have not been scored on this year. Obviously, we know Jalen Walker, one of our Mr. Football uh, nominees. Uh, he has had a continued to have a great year. Maiden looking really, really strong. Shelby, you know, they've lost a game, but they're they're still, you know, they played a little bit more of an aggressive schedule. Uh, but I think the Golden Lions will be fine. Clinton's one of those teams that haven't played a lot. Hendersonville went out and played the number one team in the 3A in South Carolina, hosted D.W. Daniel Friday night. Props to Coach Jim Sosby for doing that. Uh, there you see Wallace Rose Hill, St. Paul's, Washington. Uh, some good, good football teams there in eastern North Carolina. Oh, without question. I think, you know, you're starting to see some of the Eastern influence, but as it is with 2A, somebody's got to beat Reedsville, and I think they're always the team that's going to be hard to beat in that 2A area. I agree, uh, totally. Uh, there you see the 3A ranking, Scotland, second week in a row holding on to that number one spot, went on the road to Marlboro County, Bennettsville, South Carolina, always a tough place to play against the Charlotte native uh, coach Bobby Collins. Uh, so big win for Richard Bailey and that team. Lee County holding steady, 71st out of Fayetteville. Uh, they're, they're a team to kind of keep an eye on if you're a big 3A fan. That's a team that's really making some noise. They're really big and physical, uh, as most 71st teams are and have always been. Uh, so just kind of keep an eye on them. Dudley, Havelock. Havelock's one of those teams that hadn't really played a lot of ball but just because of the pandemic. Jacksonville, to me, is still that – that team that I've kind of got my eyes on. I think this Cardinal team might be a really good one. Uh, Kings Mountain, South Point Crest, James Hunt uh, rounding out the top ten. Hunt's another one of those teams in eastern North Carolina, Alex, that is pretty good. The Warriors always are in the mix. It's something that's just overlooked time and again because they're tucked away in an area where a lot of publicity goes to the likes of Tarboro, Rocky Mount, recently Southern Nash, and they're tucked in that little crescent right there. But people overlook the fact that Wilson County has quite the tradition and always plays very good competitive football. I'm sure a lot of high school football historians will remember back in the day when Wilson County peaked during the early 1990s in the Hunt-Bettingfield rivalry when the Hunt star was Octavius Barnes, who went on to UNC. And uh, the uh, the, uh, Bettingfield star was Corey Thomas, who went on to Duke. And they went head-to-head in the Hunt-Bettingfield arch rivalry during their days in Wilson County. So Wilson County's always had very, very good football. It's just tucked away in a shadow, Tarboro, Rocky Mount, Southern Nash. So hey, people just overlook it because of that. But no, no, no surprise there with Hunt. Yeah, and 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 also just with Hunt, uh, you got Coach Juan Jackson who has stepped on, uh, just came on board, and, and they've done a really 
a really good job. Uh, now we're going to move on up to the 4A rankings. There you see them right there. No surprise, Chambers, number one team. Huff is still second. I, I love what I see from this Huff team. I think if they played each other, I, I would say it's a 50-50 kind of ball game. I don't know if you guys agree, uh, but I think Huff is certainly going in the right direction, as is East Forsyth. But I want to tell you guys, after I've really broken down the film, and I, I came to this realization even after I put forth these rankings together, I'm still not 100% sure, even in my heart of hearts, that Cardinal Gibbons might not be the second-best team in North Carolina. They are absolutely monsters, uh, just look good on both sides of the ball. We've certainly seen how tough they played Chambers in that week one game. Uh, so keep an eye on them. Cleveland, Amari, and Hampton, we know all about that program. Grimsley struggled a little bit on the road against a solid Pinecrest program. Newburn had that huge win over Big 5A power. Maury out of Norfolk, Virginia. That's a strong statement kind of win for Coach Tory Noel's Bears. Uh, Richmond right there, you know, they, they just kind of where they are. Uh, we, we know they're good, but we don't really know how good they are. Um, that Raider Magic's always due to come back. Archer Kell, they got an opportunity to really move up, as does Northern Guilford. A lot of really good programs in the 4 Four A Fight Club, like I say, I mean, you look at a team like Butler, who, you know, is one and two, and by all measures, you know, one and two does not signify a big program. Oh, but their losses are, was it the St. John's in D.C. and the Richmond by less than a touchdown? I mean, that's a team to me that I think could be considered as a top five team, and I wouldn't argue, but because of this is the 4A Fight Club, they can't be considered in there. So it's one of those tough things, but I think there are a lot of great programs in the 4A, and I mean, it's just so hard for you to rank them, so kudos to you for doing that. Hey, well, no problem. It's what I do. Been doing it for a long time. Uh, let's take a look at these uh, games to watch uh, for week five. Uh, there you see Mount Tabor going to West Forsyth. Uh, that's a big CPC battle. Uh, there's going to be a lot of big CPC battles up there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. Again, I mentioned Arthur Kell having their, their big game. Reagan, another CPC battle going over to play East Forsyth. Um, Providence uh, at Charlotte Catholic. A.L. Brown, Canapolis going over to Hickory Ridge. Leesville Road. Uh, trying to, you know, they had a sluggish performance against South uh, Southern Durham. Wake Forest just got completely manhandled by Gibbons. Uh, Havelock there at Newburn, uh, North Lincoln at Statesville. Looking here at the other side, just a couple games that kind of stand out at me. Thomasville, I mentioned both of them and Salisbury earlier. Uh, they're going at it. Should be a great game. I like this West Charlotte and Mallard Creek. I know we got the two guys on here. I think that Mallard Creek is going to be a better team. I talked to Coach Tinsley on the phone last night because of that game against Gaffney, and I think that, that obviously West Charlotte's going in that direct, right direction too. I mean, it, 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 to me, I think it speaks to what Coach Griner's, you know, done with that program, that that game is even considered on this list. And, you know, of course, Coach Harris laid the foundation there, but I definitely feel like Coach Griner's continued to advance the program. And, you know, again, for us, I mean, I, I do think it's a blessing in playing a top talent, you know, such as, as Gaffney. We, you know, we were able to see a team, again, that, that's a power, and that, you know, playing teams like that definitely show and expose where you can improve. But, you know, we had some chances and had opportunities to, to really bring that game closer. But good team are going to do what good teams do but this is this is a heck of a list here and I mean as we're getting into conference play I mean goodness to the to the conference schedule creators here there's some you know some really crazy first games here and again like you pointed out as I call them the baby IMAC up there I mean Tabor at West Forsyth Reagan at East Forsyth two major games that I think are going to be big time for that conference up there the 336 yep well Grice let's take a look at your big game of the week
Yeah, I kind of feel like I went off the reservation a little bit. I, you know, as we looked at the list, you know, Guru, I just I looked at some games, and again, we all talked about the three through six games. I looked at, you know, of course, our game. But to me, the game that stood out was the Catawba Ridge and South Met game. I think it's a very intriguing game for two programs that I think are in similar spots that this win could really propel one of the programs. So here are my keys. I mean, the first game, you know, can can the running game help, you know, Catawba Ridge QB Jaden Davis? I mean, we know all about him. You know, it's hard to believe he's only a sophomore. I feel like he's been playing for 30 years. It's, it's one of those things. But, you know, he's had a great season so far. Nine touchdowns to one pick, averaging 200, almost 260 yards a game. But the key is, can the combo of Bowen and Jones in, in the running back, you know, as running back, can they help him out? I mean, you know, we know that he's going to come to play. We know he's going to be successful. But if they're able to produce on the ground to really just take some of the pressure off the QB, I really think that, you know, this is going to be big for that for that program. You know, because, you know, Jaden Davis is going to find the, the, you know, the Henderson kid. He's his leading receiver. You know, we know about him with plenty of offers all around. But that running game is going to be key for Catawba Ridge so they can help that offense continue to be successful. Flipping to the other side with South Mac, quarterback Cam Reese, he's got to show he can make the big throw. We know about Mr. Football, you know, semifinals, I guess you can call them quarterfinals, wherever we want to put um, Jacob Newman. He's had a big season so far. But Cam Reese, and in the games that they've played, when he's been able to make the big throw, you've seen that offense be successful. Everyone is going to have their attention on Jacob Newman, and it's time for him to show as a junior that he can step up and make it. Finally, you know, this game is that key next step for both programs here. I think a South Meg win over Catawba Ridge, that's going to show everybody that Joe Evans is here. He, you know, he got it on Langston. He said, hey, nobody here at whatever, at whatever the address is. Nobody thought it was an upset. So now this is a game that we expect you to win. We're at home, coach. You know, this is a game that, you know, you guys have the plan together. You have the talent. You have the fans behind your back. This is one that you got to have. You know, if that's not an upset before, that means this one's got to go there. Catawba, you know, Coach Lindak has done a great job so far. But, hey, if they're going to make that state championship run, of course, with a QB like Jaden Davis, this cannot be a game that you lose. So these two, you know, these two teams, I think a lot is going to be made out of this game. Even though it's between, you know, teams in two different states. This game will be quite a feather in the cap for that one of these programs is there attempting to show, hey, we're ready to take that next step and contend for some big-time football. Yeah, and I think it's kind of cool. Jaden Davis, the number one player in the country in the class of 2023. Not quarterback, not running back, number yeah. one in the country. Sam, you coached a guy like that once at your school. Well, that's a pretty cool deal, right, to have the number one in the country. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know much about their quarterback. I just know that he is the number one, like you said. He's but uh, really I, good. I like my boy Joe Evans, about 14 in this game. Okay. All right. All right. Big big time prediction from Samuel. It is time for One's Got to Go. Let me find my music. All right, we all know the time in the show that one has got to go. Let's do this and just keep it moving here. Ice cream novelties, popsicles, ice cream sandwich, nutty buddy push-ups or the banana split. And we'll go uh, top down. Uh, which one's got to go, Sam? I don't like push-ups or banana split, so this is easy. Um, I'm going to go with push-ups just because it's, pure sugar all bad sugar at least the bananas 
better sugar for you. So yeah, push-ups gotta go. Yeah. I would go with uh popsicles. Chris. On a hot day? Popsicles. Oh yeah, the other four are much better. So um I would say a banana split. I don't, I'm gonna go I don't with wanna, I don't want to butt in here, but I just gotta ask Dale, would you put Frank's on a popsicle? You want me to make a Frank's I popsicle for you? <laughs> I'll see it for free. You said you put that S on everything. I'm just wondering. I do. I do. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would make one out of it. How's that? that is so, so I do have to say, Dale's on point here because the popsicles have to go. Why do the popsicles have to go? If you want a popsicle, make yourself some Kool-Aid and put it in the freezer and let it get nice and icy. But don't freeze too. Don't, don't let it freeze all the way. And you got a popsicle right there. You don't need a popsicle. Make some Kool Aid and put it in the freezer. Popsicles got to go. All right. Which college pregame ritual is going to go? The flaming spirit, Florida State, running down the hill at Clemson, the sandstorm, space odyssey at South Carolina, or the inner Sandman at Virginia Tech. Sam, what's got to go? The flaming spears got to go because they're garbage right now. Like they, they ain't spearing nobody. Um, I mean, there's no way you get rid of the running down the hill, Clemson. That's that's an, an amazing deal. The sandstorm, space odyssey. I, I'm I'm with it. I understand. The enter the Sandman is probably the second best in the whole college football. So, the flaming spear. I mean, I get it. It's kind of cool, but I would say until you start winning again, you can't throw no spears. Yeah. I'm going to just do this based on least impactful because uh, USC and uh, Virginia Tech got it going on. Those the, those two are some of the most crowd-invigorating things I've seen. Um, the Flame and Spear, I think, has kind of lost its flair, unfortunately. Uh, I, I, I think both the running down the hill and the, and the Flaming Spear is really is between those two, and I'm going to I'm going to say the flaming spear. Chris. I'm going to say running down the hill. In this kinder, gentler, litigious society that we live in where somebody's just looking for an opportunity to sue somebody, one of these days a kid's going to trip going down that hill, break somebody's leg. It's going to cause all kinds of chaos, and they're going to put an end to it. You're saying – Running down the hill, the Clemson running down the hill, you're going to get rid of that. The best thing get rid of college football. I'm going to get rid of it. They, these are athletes. We're not going to get hurt going down the daggone hill. Unbelievable. I cannot believe it, Chris. Well, I hope, blasphemous. Uh, I, I think I did get to go down the Clemson slide last time I was there, though. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I'll help you out here. Which one of these have to go? All of them have to go. They're oh all absolutely they're you all like, absolutely rich. You were the they're all absolutely overrated and have absolutely nothing to do with what happens between the lines. This is the problem right here why sport has lost some of its efficacy because we want to put more emphasis on what happens before the game as opposed to what happens in the game. So no wonder that there's more emphasis on pregame music and what kids end up all right, can we get this music to get pumped up? I got pumped up because I got beat on the last play. It's and about the entire experience. The biggest 
tradition. The experience is about being successful between the lines. No, the experience is about going to a game. Uh, you got kids, you got people sitting in the stands. The, the experience is the entire thing. It's the not experience about is about what happens between the lines. Not and what this is about. That's to not come what down to about. This, honestly, all of those right there, all of those right there will get beat out when West Charlotte football's in its prime. Nobody beats the West Charlotte pregame experience, and certainly none of those do. All right, a football pet peeve. What's got to go? Missed tackles, instant replay delays, targeting ejections, or four-hour college football games? What's got to go, Sam? Targeting ejections. I think it's so controversial. I know what they're trying to do. I just think there's a way that you make a guy sit out a quarter or something like that. But this whole game thing is, is ridiculous. You know, I think people get the point. No one's trying to do certain things, but the targeting ejections, like give them a 15-yard penalty, worst-case scenario, they have to sit out a whole quarter or, like, give them penalty. You know, like in hockey, they have penalty minutes. <laughs> give them penalty minutes or something. But the whole game, it's a little ridiculous. Damn. Yeah, the worst of these four is to be at a game, that four-hour college football game. So if you're at the game, that's just got to be the worst experience. I disagree in one aspect. If they got funnel cakes, I'm down before. There's nachos with jalapenos. Yeah. There you go. What has to go? You know, I love the college football experience. I go to as many games as I possibly can. And in fact, I'm going to be there two or three hours before eating food out in the parking lot. So, you know, you wait all year for college football. I don't mind spending four hours there uh, to get my full money's worth in, in the, in the attendance. Uh, I'm with Sam. However, I think the ejection targeting is a, subjective kind of deal you just never know unless you can just put blatant in 10 and it's a grossly bad play where you need to get rid of the guy you know you can tell his intent was to hurt someone but to throw a guy out and to potentially put him out a quarter the next game uh i'm, I'm just not a big fan of it all right i'm going to tra- I'm, I'm going to take a contrarian perspective on this one i know everyone's stunned by that but i <clears> know <throat> uh, let's keep let, let, let's keep the targeting ejection simply because maybe sooner or later we'll have an NFL, a college football version of Steve Javi come on and break down every time an ejection like this happens. Help let's us just all. Play play football, then. But which one of them really has to go? The missed tackles have to go. Why? Very simply, get on D. All right. Summer shoes. Which ones have to go? Crocs, flip-flops, sandals, or sneakers? Sam, which ones have to go? Are we talking about Jesus sandals? Or are we talking <laughs> what kind of sandals are we talking about right here? I'm gonna say like them little strap on like around your ankles and stuff to get a bunch of straps. I'm gonna call those sandals. Those got to go. Um yeah. Crocs. I used to be like, why aren't we wearing Crocs? But you can go strap mode and uh you can work out in them still, stuff like that. Flip-flops, you gotta have to let the dogs air out. Them sandals though, I feel like I'm bounded. <laughs> I feel like I got chains bounding around my legs. I just, yeah, those got to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I just, I'm not a big fan of Crocs, so they got to go. I'm getting you some Crocs, Dale. All right. You're going to make me a fan, huh? <laughs> yeah. You're going to convert me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chris. All right. You know, I'm with you, Sam. You know, them Jerusalem cruisers that Jesus had, you know, you, you don't want to you don't want to just get rid of them. But when you got old man out there wearing white socks under sandals in the summer, it's gotta go. It does. It has to go. You are not lying. Jerusalem cruisers, hey, like yeah. we need that clip. Jerusalem I need that clip. Nice. Line of line the night. <laughs> All right, guys. What time is it? Lights to drop it! Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! All right, y'all hear that? Yeah, it's time! Part one this week, part one of the Thunderdome. I got to get my lick back, Griner. Got to get my lick back. I changed teams and all to get my lick back this week, Griner. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> all right, who's nice going first? Text. Nice little text. I'm going to put this on the screen if I can, like, forward it over. Oh, I, I firmly believe it. I stand, absolutely stand by it. Like, it's, it's one or the other. So, to, to be fair, we had a conversation out, out uh, kind of – on our own. I just feel like the way that this game's going to go, it's either going to be a dog fight or we're just going to come out absolutely and absolutely just go, go hashtag angry Creek on them. But um, either way, I say that to say, you know, even before we start coach, I look forward to, you know, to playing you being on the other side or coaching against you feel like we're playing hell as much as me and you be jumping up and down yelling and screaming. But, you know, again, it's always an honor coach, man. You know, you guys do your thing wherever you are and it's going to be fun and we're going to get to it, but let's get to the talking preps version. All right, do I need to flip a coin, or does somebody want to volunteer to go first? I'm, 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 I'm going to receive. He defers. I'm going to receive. Yeah, right. I defer. You're right. That's okay. All right, let's do it. Uh, Coach, Bryce, Coach Grice, you're up first. A gap scheme versus a zone scheme. I mean, since I've got the ball, you know, I've got to, you know, I've got to say, I mean, granted, I think when we played, I think I ran more gap scheme against you than uh, than you versus versus us. But you know, it took me a little while, but I'm really a big fan of gap scheme, um, you know, against high school defenses. I mean, I think you know, I've been on both ends of the spectrum, having you know, smaller, kind of quicker offensive linemen, and now you know, having kind of bigger offensive linemen that can do a little bit more. I think gap scheme has been really been effective for us. It's something I'm a believer of. Heck, the head coach I'm with now is a real big believer in it. Um, I just think it provides linemen the opportunity just, hey, you know, if, you know, we're able to get out and pull you some of our speed to get out and kind of create different angles. And even still, it just allows the opportunity for teams that, that blitz or do funky stuff like Griner's defense, like some of these other coaches who aren't as good as uh, Griner on D. You know, it, it, for offensive linemen, it takes a lot of the thinking out of it. It just says, hey, I got a guy, you know, I can down block here on, the, on my inside. Let's just go ahead and wash that and take care of the trash. And running backs a lot of times seem to benefit a lot more. I'm with you. I mean, I used to hate zone scheme. Um, I kind of adapted into the zone scheme a little bit more now just because I see Dalen Smothers. Be <laughs> I kind of like, man, can I get it? Smothered? You know, so, um, yeah, I, I, so I'm like, man, maybe we just need to run zone and we got guys that can do that. But um, gap scheme has been more of my deal as well. I like telling a high school kid, you know, you don't want, 15, 16-year-old kids making decisions necessarily for your livelihood, for your your family. <laughs> you know, I always say that. Like, there's some kids that can do it, but the majority, they're going to – you, you want to kind of guide them where they need to go and then let them play football. 
that's the way I like to coach, and the gap scheme is more a way of doing that. I agree with both of you. I like the gap scheme as well. All right, Coach Griner, you're up again on the second question. Coin toss in high school football, do you kick or receive if you win? Well, you don't do either of those. You you defer to the second half because if you say I kick, then you're going to be kicking twice. Kicking both times. And that happened. When we were in college, that happened at Catawba going against um, Lenore Ryan, our captain. I was one of them, but our speaking captain said, we want to kick. And he's like, you sure you want to kick? So yeah, we want to kick. And then back on, we were kicking, <laughs> yeah, kicking at the half, too. That's crazy. No, I, for me, I mean, being an offensive guy, of course, um, you know, it's it's definitely to receive. I mean, I think, you know, one big so thing. So we're calling a coin toss right now. We don't need to do a coin toss. You want to receive. I'm not the head coach. Let's be, let's be very clear. It's not my win-loss record on the, on the no, line. No, no, no. You just called it. Like, I'm going to tell the officials. I'm going to text. Right now, you gotta text Tennessee. I'm not the head coach, so that's not my win loss record on the line. My win loss record is zero and zero. <laughs> not impact. That's why hey, I tell hey, it's your win loss record. So do what you need. But you know, if I were in that in that position, I want to receive. I think the biggest thing is you know if you've practiced, if you've repped hard, you know, with your offense to get out on a you know with a good start. I think putting another team on that back foot can really adjust what they're trying to do offensively, even if you don't score, but can do what you can to flip the field and put their offense in a bad spot. You can do a lot starting that game to help kind of put your defense on a good foot there. And even if you, you know, even if you don't, you still have that opportunity, you know, coming at the end of the second quarter, a lot of teams want to go two minute drill. That's something where, you know, you can push no matter what we're an up-tempo team. I'm up-tempo guy. I'm going to make sure I'm getting that ball down to get points, you know, second half or fourth to start the second half. And then, hey, my defense, I'm going to put it in their hands on the second half because that's when it's their time to be great. True story, 2007, our Douglas Bird Eagles went on the road to Richmond County Raider Stadium. God love him. My quarterback, Terry McKinnon, we won the toss. He said, let's kick. Uh, and we kicked off twice. Um, but I love kicking off that second half or kicking off to begin the game, get the ball second half, get a long drive, start that third quarter, set the tone. That's a great way. Uh, final question, though, right here, gentlemen. Uh, there we go. I'm sorry. Uh, quarterback location in high school, shotgun or under center? I'll take it. Or who's up, you or me? Hey, you're, you're up. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's different. So I think it's a situation where before – it, you know, had I coached, I guess, Chris, when you did, you know, back in the Stone Ages, I'd have been under center. But I, I think now you have so many more athletic linemen. Heck, one of Grounders linemen two years ago was in the backfield running the ball. Like, these kids that play offensive line are so much more athletic and could do so much more. I never forget, even growing up, we had a guy on our team who's six foot four, 315 pounds, all-state guard, and he was always our freaking, you know, but your, your all-time quarterback whenever we played tag ball because he was the best quarterback on the team. You know, but you have so many more of those athletic guys now to where being in the shotgun or being even in the pistol, depending on your preference, is more preferential for the, you know, for the run scheme. I mean, I think that, you know, it always gets people upset whenever you, you know, whenever you are uh, in shotgun inside the five. But the running angles are so much better. The things that you can do, the play action, it's easy for you. If you do want to throw the ball, you don't have to worry about, hey, I've got to turn my back to the defender. I've got to do all these things. Now it's a simple, hey, catch and throw. Yeah, I, it depends. This is a – the question depends on two things, I think. Um, what kind of quarterback do you have? Do you have a traditional pocket passing 
really good, or do you have like a running quarterback? Because shotgun, you're involving him in the running game. That's the big knock I always talked about. I'm bringing Tim Tebow back in here. We had oh, that, had that sucker under center, and he's a shotgun guy because he threatens the line of scrimmage and it makes teams play differently. When he's under center, they can play a traditional defense versus him, and he got no chance. So if you're running a Catholic-type offense, you need to be underneath center because most of your plays are either traps or some type of base plays that need to hit really quick. And uh, misdirection is very critical. I wish – you know, I, I honestly think under centers more sexier, I guess, to say. I love it. But um, shotgun – it's just the more base of what it's doing. If you go underneath center too much, kids ain't gonna come to your school. <laughs> just be honest. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, and Chris is not his head. That's pretty serious. Okay, before we before we go to Sam's final thoughts, can you guys shake hands after the game Friday night, Grice and Sam? Will y'all still be friends? Oh yeah, after the game. It's it's, it's deeper. Like and that's kind of what I tell people, man. It, it's deeper than football, you know, with he and deeper I, you know. Football. And that's the one thing, like win or lose. I mean, I lost last year. We're still on the field talking for a freaking hour after the game. So one of y'all goes Tommy on the other and puts up ninety seven. We we still all good. Just yeah, okay. one game. But- say, if if they can score ninety seven on us, they better dag on do it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll never complain about it because you ran the score up on me. It's my fault. It's my job that that man goes, sure, you don't score that many points. Well, like let's be, let's, hold on. Let's be very clear. I was on the other end of that 71 nothing butt whooping last year. I, I do not complain on either side of where I am with that. So if, I, if I'm on the 71 side, oh, well, I've had it happen to me. That's what's up. All right, what's well, that time of show for the big star to give us his final thoughts? Well, you know, big game for us, I think it's uh, – Huge. We're starting conference, and we're going off one of the most traditionally great schools in our conference, Mather Creek. I'm excited about this, but I'm more excited, to be honest with you. Me and Grice have built a great relationship. I really, really like him a lot outside of this deal, outside of coaching. He's a great dude. But I I expect my kids, when they come on the field, they're going to be happy to see me, but they know that Grice is coaching against me, and they they cannot wait to see Grice again after that night that they had with the uh, dinner. They, they All they do is talk about how cool Grice is. They were laughing and giggling the whole night. So they might be more excited to see Grice than even myself. <laughs> That's funny. Well, they, they did have a good time. Grice is very entertaining. And before we go, Grice, answer this question for Dalton. He wants to know, is a triple option effective high school football? I mean, I'd say yes, of course. I mean, I, I think, you know, our, our best examples are, you know, Lake Norman and Porter Ridge, you know, in this area that continue to do it and experience success, success being, you know, making the playoffs, you know. And, and I think that, again, if it fits your kids, if those are the type of kids you have, if you're in a conference where you need to be different, that is a perfect way to be different. And I think those two programs embody that. Chris. Well, I was just going to add on. Triple option does not mean old school football. You don't have to line up in the I formation. Ooh, tell them. You, you, you can get in a spread. You can get in a wing T. You can get in any formation you want to and run triple principles. So I think it can be just as modern as you want it to be, Sam. So there, here's a point that I, I, I want you to understand. In North Carolina, I don't think a triple option team can win a state championship in today's format. The reason why – now, I love that – you know, like I love that – West Point, you know, Navy, I like these teams that do it in college because you get so many more reps at it. The issue with triple option is that when you, like I said, you put a 15, 16-year-old kid's decision-making in his own hands, he's reading something and he hands it off. 
there's going to be more fumbles that happen. If you don't win a state championship, you can't lose turnover battles and things like that. And there's a game you might have two or three turnovers with the triple option, even though you won a lot of games, you might not have won them earlier in the season. When you get into the playoffs, it's just very difficult to win in the triple option because you have to take ball security into it. And it's we're not South Carolina where we get all the practice time in the spring. Think about that. So you only have a little bit of time to work on this, and that is a very crafty thing you have to be great at. Sam, you also – but you're missing that same thing applies on the other side of the ball. And thus, triple option can be very hard to defend against because of assignment and reads. And so kids have just as hard a time on that side of the ball as well. That's why it can be effective if you have good athletes and good line. You can be very effective because kids will break down in their decision-making. That's why you don't – like, you know, I had a great defense coordinator in college that taught me a lot of different things about that. I like going against triple option because I bring in an option-type defense where it still goes along with what we do, but it doesn't confuse the kids. Um, here's a great example. Porter Ridge, when we won the championship on that run in 2017, Porter Ridge had one of the best quarterbacks there was in North Carolina, as he's showing it at Coastal Carolina right now. They were from. They ran the same offense he's running in college right now. Okay, that is a triple option type deal. All right. What happened in the game? They scored ten points because we and they were good at what they did, but they were just better on defense. They helped their defense versus us because we had less possessions and things like that. But it's not that hard to stop it if you know what you're doing. I think. All right. Well. There you go. Uh, hope hope it answers your question, Dalton. We got some brilliant football minds. I'm glad to share the knowledge. Um, I actually almost made it on time tonight. <laughs> so I'm Langston. That's Sam. That's the coach who, who will be back next week. Win, lose, draw. I hope, Sam. Guru <laughs> Chris Hughes, number one voice of high school football. Alex Bass, the contrarian. Skip Bayless on the show. Bill Ross, and my man Jonathan Grice, the offensive coordinator at Mallet Creek. I'm Langston. We'll catch you guys next week. We are talking preps. Offensive coordinator. Oh, well, yeah. quarterback coach. Did you get it? Did you get it? Oh, My bad. Quarterback coach. coach Chris, that's me. He didn't say that. That's me. That's Do me. not. He is offensive coordinator. Do not let that bull. Somebody get fired. We'll catch you next week.